Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on what time you're listening to us. Uh, thank you for joining us for our ongoing series of the best of TV of the decade for TV. Today's episode, we are focusing on the top five comedies of the 2010 to 2019 decade. Now, when we say comedies, we're talking about shows which are classified to be in the comedic genre. However, we are not necessarily ranking these shows just based off how funny they were or like which had the best jokes or best laughs. That was definitely a part of the consideration, but it wasn't the only thing that we were looking on when uh, we evaluated these shows. Um, yeah, Zach, I would I would yeah. say these are the best shows that are comedies. Agreed. So um, as 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 with our last last list um, with the anthologies and uh, miniseries, uh, this list was come uh, put together by a combination of uh, Zach's opinion, uh, Zach's list, my own list, and then uh, some discussion between the two of us. And then uh, some look into what the critical uh, critics had put for their list and sort of done a sort of weighted average of everything out to kind of put together this list. So we feel confident that this represents our combined view as well as kind of the greater critical view as well. Let's just jump right into it. So actually, I think before we want to start, Zach, I think you, uh, I think you want to maybe start with uh, a show that did not make the top five, but we still wanted to mention just because we felt it was worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, well, it almost made the top five until one show was last minute reclassified from a drama right. to a comedy and bumped it off. So we'll start, since I have already written up the blurb for it, um, we'll start with our honorable mention. And that is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a sitcom, um, some call it an anti-sitcom, that premiered on FX in 2005, so very much uh, started last decade. But it's now run for 14 seasons as of 2019, making it officially, maybe tied, but officially the longest running live action sitcom in American history. It's produced and primarily written by Rob McKelleny, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Glenn Howerton, and Charlie Day, uh, all of whom star in the show alongside Caitlin Olson and the great Danny DeVito. Always Sunny follows the exploits of a group of self-absorbed friends known as The Gang, who run the Irish bar Paddy's Pub in South Philadelphia. Shams, um, do you want to say anything about uh, yeah, It's Always Sunny so in Philadelphia? I think actually it's going to break the record with its next season, which I think it got renewed for, so it's it will... It will break the record uh while in its run um yeah i mean so i've been watching it's always sunny pretty much since like 06 it's one of the longest tv shows i've ever watched i think it actually may be the longest tv show i've ever watched um and so anti-sitcom i think is the right label for it it is very much a show that is very meta in many of its episodes playing with certain expectations and certain tropes that other shows have and sort of providing a very unique twist to it all. Um, this, so out in terms of the two decades, like, you know, the, the last decade and this decade, I would actually say that last decade was probably a better run of episodes as just like pure comedy and like laugh out loud and memorable moments. But this, there, there was a lot of episodes in this decade that the show actually started to get a bit more deeper and a bit more kind of, um, phil- I don't, I shouldn't say philosophical, but just like, more d- dived into sort of these characters as like human beings beyond just being like TV characters. So um, in fact, the season finale for uh, I think it was season 13 or two seasons ago um, is ranked as one of the best season finales of, of 
any TV show this uh, this decade. Um, it's a very memorable episode that deals primi- primarily with um, Mac, who uh, spent uh, some some minor spoiler, but he was uh, he was a devout Christian or in the early parts of the seasons, and then uh, about six seasons ago he came out as gay, and a lot of the jokes have dealt with that. But then the episode uh, two years ago, or a year and a half ago. Um, took a very serious look at, you know, his closet homosexuality. Um, and it's a very powerful episode, and it's not really funny at all, but it's very, very well done. So the show evolved beyond just being this anti-sitcom kind of, you know, lowbrow comedy into making some really, you know, intelligent and substantial points on, you know, these characters as humans. So it definitely evolved over the last few seasons, but I think the main thing why it's not ranked in top five is just that, a lot of its great parts were in the last decade. And if we were doing a list of comedies from 2000 onwards, then I feel confident that It's Always Sunny would be in the top five. But we're just looking at the episodes from this decade. So uh, if we're just looking at that, uh, it's just not quite good enough to make the list. Yeah. And if we were going by funniest uh, shows, this would also probably be in the top five. It is hysterical. I, oh, I have yeah. not been watching all of it, but... Um, I've kind of looked at like select episodes that people on the internet have recommended. Um, and I, th- I think so far I'm maybe still in the last decade. I'm not sure. I think it's season six. Uh, that, yeah. You're that still probably this decade. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been watching a bunch of select episodes. Um, some of the funniest things uh, I've ever seen. Uh, the, I started the first episode I ever saw was the day man um, musical episode. Well, Nightman um, Comet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely hysterical. Um, yeah, one of I mean, the funniest episodes. I mean, it's genuinely one of the most popular comedies of the last 15 years. And um, a lot of that has been helped because of streaming. It's a gr- it's an insanely rewatchable show and a show which is perfect for streaming because like you can literally shuffle any episode at any moment and watch it and be very satisfied. There's no like long running arcs really that are necessary to watch the show. So it's perfectly built for streaming. And I think that will actually give, even when it finally is finished, I think its popularity will only grow in time because it's just so well designed for the streaming culture that we have today. Yeah. It's one of the, one of the comedies that like some of the older comedies, I'm not sure if any other comedy on this list actually works as well um, to watch random episodes. No, Uh, like I think most of them need to be watched serially. Um, But this is speaking as, um, as someone who is watching it this way and just kind of jumping around from episode to episode. um, Maybe I'm biased because I'm only watching the episodes that everyone says are like some of the best. Um, But the best episodes are very, very funny. Yeah. So, like we said, you know, almost made the list, probably would have made the list if we were looking at funniest, and 100% would make the list if we were looking at it from 2005 onwards, but it was just looking at this decade. Um, So, moving on, let's get to our top five, and uh, number five, Zach, if you want to take it away. Yes, so going in to our top five comedies of the 2010s decade, number five is The Good Place. You... Eleanor Shellstrop, our dead. Cool. How did I die? Are you sure you want to hear? You were struck by a truck advertising an erectile dysfunction pill called Engorgulate. Funnily enough, the first EMT to arrive was an ex-boyfriend of yours. Okay, that's, I get it, thank you. You're okay, Eleanor. You're in the good place. 
The Good Place was created by Michael Schur and premiered in 2016 on NBC. Uh, its fourth and final season is currently airing and is going to wrap up at the end of next January. Um, the, the series focuses on a character called Eleanor Shellstrop, played by Kristen Bell, who wakes up in the afterlife and is introduced uh, by Michael, played by Ted Danson, to her new home in The Good Place, um, a reward for the righteous life she allegedly led on Earth. However, she realizes that she was uh, sent there by mistake and must hide her morally imperfect behavior while trying to become a better and more ethical person. Uh, the Good Place has been has shown up on 12 of the critics' top 10 list. I believe Metacritic sourced uh, 40 lists in total. So out of the 40 they looked at, um, 12 critics put The Good Place in the top 10. And not just comedies, this is best shows um, of the whole decade of any genre. Um, it was ranked number one um, by one of the critics. Uh, I've never heard of this, but it, um, it's a website called The Young Folks. Uh, they ranked The Good Place at number one. Um, Shams, how much of this have you seen um, and why is it top five? Yeah, so I've seen the first two. I've seen two and a half seasons. I ha- I'm still I'm kind of piece by piece finishing season three. This is a show, I'll be honest, I watch a lot when I'm on traveling, if I'm on an airplane or something, because it's a very easy show to kind of watch in that sort of setting. So I I have done a bad job of kind of sitting down and binging it, but I've seen the first two and a half seasons, which I think are, if you watch the first two seasons, you start to get the gist of what the show is and why it's great. Um, so this show, first of all, I don't know, I forget, this is the this is a network show, which is in some ways you, I almost want to give it like bonus points for being so good for a network TV show because that's really rare in this decade. Um, and but the other the thing that makes the show great I think is the cast of characters right I think when I think the show really became something special when it went when you started to really develop the characters beyond just Kristen Brett Bell um, and it became a true ensemble kind of comedy piece. Um, and then the other thing is just it's a show that makes philosophy funny, which is really hard to do. Philosophy is like very philosophy and morality are these very and at the and ethics are really hard to discuss and really hard to communicate, particularly to a mass audience. And for them to explain in a very elementary but understandable way and also make it funny, um, it's kind of like uh, the schoolhouse rock, but for adults with philosophy is sort of what I kind of want to describe it as. Yeah, um, great show. I just want to real quick get into this show. Is, uh, the reason I watched it actually um, is solely because uh, I graduated uh, with Ted Danson. Um, and no, I'm not that old. Um, Ted Danson, do you, do you know the Shams actually? Uh, I guess you, it wasn't your year, but uh, was, my yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. You, you got lucky. I, I, I forget who I got. I, I forget who I graduated. Oh, yeah, I graduated so, with oh, Meg Whitman, the, the CEO of HP. So it was a lot. Okay. A lot, B- big a lot name. Not as cool as, as Ted Danson. So yeah, yeah. Ted um, is an alumni of Carnegie Mellon University where Shams and I met um, in their business school. Um, and Ted Danson got his honorary doctorate um, in drama. Um, so he's now, I guess, doctor, honorary doctor Ted Danson. Um, he's an alumni from Carnegie Mellon going way back. Uh, they have a really great undergrad drama program and have for as, as long as Ted Danson has been working. So I literally just thought, I, I need to watch something with Ted Danson in it, not realizing that I've actually already seen him in Fargo uh, season two, which we talked about um, on the last episode. But yeah, I purely, I, I came to the show for Ted Danson, but let me tell you, I stayed for the rest of the cast. Um, 
uh, Darcy Carden uh, as Janet. Um, Manny, I don't know how to say his last name, as Jason Mendoza, might be one of the funniest characters on television. Um, Kristen Bell's character and uh, and Chidi uh, and uh, Jamila Jamila Jamil as Tahani. This show has one of the best um, and funniest casts of any comedy. Um, and it is it is truly funny. And also for all the reasons Shams mentioned, a really great show. One of the only comedies that can tackle a subject as dense as moral philosophy uh, and still manage to be hysterical. Yeah. And I think what's, um, um, I think what's uh, also interesting about it is that how it has evolved. So, I mean, the, like there is a big kind of change in the story at the end of the first season. Um, And it could have been a show, which was just like a one season wonder. Um, And I actually thought it would be. Um, because a lot of times when a show kind of has a great first season, but then it kind of, you know, uses, uh, changes things up afterwards, it could really fall flat. Uh, but I've been very impressed by how it's been evolved be every, every season and every episode. So it's not, it's, it still retains a lot of the same core elements, but it's not just doing the same exact show every single time. Yeah, the first season's arguably the the best. I I don't think anyone would debate that. Um, but the the great thing about this, it's now in its fourth season, uh, and I won't say and final. much about the yeah and final. So it's wrapping up. Um, the only reason I think this isn't higher is that it hasn't aired. Like if the finale's great, I could even see this going above um, at least number four on this list. Um, but it's it still has some great moments in every season. I think it's season two that has um, the episode based on the famous trolley problem uh, in ethics. Uh, and in ep- in season three, uh, I don't know, have you, how far are you, Shams? Like three episodes. Okay, so see, you probably haven't gotten to... I, I rounded up. Okay, the highlight of season three, without any spoilers, um, is there is an episode in which um, Darcy Carden, who plays Janet, um, essentially has to act as all of the other characters, I won't get into the reason for that, but she, uh, as an actress, has to portray the personalities of every other member of the cast in her body, uh, and extremely challenging. It's it, it goes beyond good impressions. At one point, uh, she's doing um, what we think is, is Jason Mendoza, and you kind of stop for a moment and say, like, that's not a good uh, impression of Jason Mendoza's character. And then you realize... Uh, that it's not Jason, it's Darcy is playing Kristen Bell's character doing an impression mocking Jason Mendoza. It is that nuanced of a performance uh, that earned um, Darcy. Actually, I forgot if it did earn her an Emmy nomination or not. I know I want, I think, I don't remember. Uh, I hope she got an Emmy nomination. I might be wrong, but she um, she definitely got the, the critical acclaim for her role in that season. Uh, and now I'm expecting a really good ending uh, in season four. The show's definitely evolved. It's almost more, um, I guess, less of a comedy in the latter episodes and perhaps even more of a um, just a good lighthearted story with a positive message and a, a little bit of a love story. I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but it's, it certainly has that that characteristic uh, that it's able to continually evolve and do something new with each season, as you said. Yeah, uh, and I think, like you said, it'd be it would have been interesting if it finished in this decade, and we could have maybe it could have maybe upped its ranking a bit, uh, depending how it kind of uh, ends. 
Uh, yeah, it's so, just a month off. So it's, it's uh, going to be, uh, it's so going to be ending be, in four weeks. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting, but, um, moving on. And I, and I don't think I'm spoiling it, but that is the only, um, network TV show on our list, which shouldn't yeah, be a surprise it, to most people because network TV, we, we hate networks. No, I mean, who, I mean, to be honest, it's not just we, I mean, everyone, like True. what, like what network TV show outside, like there's very few network TV shows that are even that popular anymore. Um, like this is us maybe today, but even then, is that more popular than the show like Stranger Things or Game of Thrones or um, you know anything like that? I don't think so. Right. So, um, I think audience of I think network TV is just dying. Very true. Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that on yeah, a later yeah. episode. For uh, now, I'll get four. straight into number four, um, the fourth best comedy of the 2010s decade. Uh, is a show on HBO called Barry. The acting class made me feel really good. I feel really motivated right now. These are professional actors. They're the real deal, and they say I got something. You're a killer, Barry. Acting is a direct conflict, being someone who anonymously kills people. If you're going to be an actor, here's my only direction. Adapt. Adjust. Let the cat out. When I first started in this class, I was very overwhelmed, but then I saw everyone else perform. Alas, poor Forgot my life. So Barry is a dark comedy created by Alec Berg and Bill Hader, uh, premiered on HBO in 2018. And Hader stars as Barry Berkman, the title character. Uh, he is a hitman who travels to Los Angeles to kill someone, but finds himself instead joining an acting class. Uh, in its first two seasons, Barry has racked up a combined total of 15 Emmy nominations, including one win for Henry Winkler in the supporting actor category, as well as back-to-back -back wins for Bill Hader as the lead actor. Uh, Barry deserves a special shout-out as well because it is the show uh, that inspired this podcast, Shams. I don't know if you remember this, but you originally pitched uh, the idea in a text to me um, back in May or June, which reads, and I quote, we should do a TV podcast where we berate each other's opinions, but then come together on Barry. So Shams, this is the moment the entire purpose of this podcast has been waiting for. Let's come together on Barry. Why is this number four? So I'll start with why it's only number four. And the only reason why it's actually at number four, not higher, is because it's only two seasons, uh, in my opinion. Um, well, two, two seasons and it's not done yet so no, we don't like, know it's nowhere, yeah it's nowhere near like the good place that only has like a month left like um it only has two seasons and uh there's still so much more to go um which can it could fall flat right so there's always that possibility so we have but that's the only reason why it's at number four so to me the thing about barry is that it is so i in general i always love the hitman genre hitman story um uh, a lot of my favorite movies actually end dealing end up dealing with assassins and hitman, uh, um, and I even love playing those hitman video games. So I love the, how it takes that sort of there is this kind of subgenre of hitman kind of stories, and it takes that in such a unique and interesting way um, that's so darkly comedic, but brilliant because it combines it. It's talking about you know how do you become a like how does one become a different person. Um, how does one change? 
what defines an individual um and it does that in this way through acting school while combining you know the chechen mafia and like asian drug lords and all this other stuff going on all at the same time so there's this like just genuine entertainment action factor there's this darkly comedic and even lighthearted comedic factor and then there's just like a really interesting kind of tale of a person just trying to find his individuality um and also trying to just find what normal being normal is in kind of the world today um so i just and the i mean i think the main thing is bill Hader, right like he completely owns this role um it is if we, we did we we didn't end up doing that list of you know best performances whatever but for me this would be a top 10 performance for any type of tv show of this decade um uh let alone just comedy um i think he just owns this role so hard um and uh it's really great to see someone like him kind of get his due because he's worked so hard for all these years in kind of comedy and snl and all these other stuff and I think now he's finally getting credit for being a genuine artist, not just, you know, some, you know, frat bro comedian dude. Yeah, I think the um, the I mean, exactly. I think you you kind of uh, superseded me on the point I was going to make, which is this show. Um, the reason I think it's so good, aside from being very funny, is its ability to resonate um, with, uh, I think, a theme that um, really applies to everyone. The idea of like, can you change who you are at your core, uh, or at least who you've been kind of ingrained to be, whether it's nature or nurture. Um, and it does that even, even though not everyone watching, maybe a few, um, not everyone watching is a hitman trying to change and become an actor. That's a pretty dra uh, drastic change, but who at some point hasn't wanted to fundamentally change something about their personality, um, right. or the way their life was going. Um, that's just something that is so universal um, in in our culture that allows this show to really be about more than just the laughs. Um, it also does an amazing job, um, perhaps better than any drama who's uh, approached the subject of portraying um, uh, PTSD from a military veteran. Um, this, uh, this show might be the best, and Bill Hader's performance in that regard might be the best performance um, of that particular um, theme and sub subject matter. Um, so yeah, Barry is great. It is a deep show. And the and it action very funny show. The, I mean, this is not comedic, I guess, but it has genuinely some of the best fighting scenes in TV of this decade. Yeah. Uh, one, one episode in particular is just the, the physical direction of it. Um, yeah. The, one yeah. I mean that episode, which is in the second season, um, yeah. Ronnie slash Lily. It's an instant classic and um, it's uh, but it's it's what's great about it is like it's a it's a it's a physical comedy. So it's still in a it's an action that's still still influence. And I mean, um, inputs comedy into it. So it's still even in these moments, it's still always a comedy. So it's a great show that is never not a comedy in any episode, even if it's just talking about very deep and dark uh, themes. But it still always maintains the fact that it's a comedy. It never forgets that fact, in my opinion. Right? I think some shows sometimes forget that. This never forgets what it is. It is a comedy, but it just it doesn't let it itself just be limited to being a comedy. 
Yeah, and uh, we mentioned Bill Hader a lot already, but I also want to give huge credit to the rest of the cast. Um, in in season yeah. two of this show, um, pretty much the entire cast received Emmy nominations. Bill Hader was the only one that won, uh, but to be fair, this was a year that was extremely competitive um, in the comedy race. Um, I think it was a another show we'll talk about that won pretty much every other award, but um uh, yeah, so you got Anthony Kerrigan, um, Stephen Root, and Henry Winkler um, were, I believe, literally half of the, that's three nominations in the supporting actor category. Pretty much half of the nominations in that category came from the show. And Sarah Goldberg um, also received a, a very well-deserved nomination in the supporting actress category. She had one of the the best um, monologue, comedic monologues in uh, perhaps of the decade. I think, I think if you were to go with like monologues of the decade, uh, her, I forget which episode it's in, but season two, um, her, her monologue. Yeah. I uh, think it's like the one, the last episodes. Yeah. Uh, amazing work. Uh, and then the show also received two, uh, two nominations for directing for the, the episode we mentioned, uh, and writing. Um, so the, really everything not not just bill Hader. this isn't a one-trick pony show pretty much every other cast member uh is is amazing in the in the same way that um the good place is very much an ensemble cast barry is very much a led by bill Hader cast but the supporting uh cast really does a good job of supporting what the show's doing yeah i think you and i both agree that of that is going into the next decade um that's probably the most interesting show that we want. To see. I guess uh, there's another show too on HBO oh, um, that we'll look into, but um, that's the. I think that's the one show that we are very interested to see how it evolves um, in the next season, in the next decade. Yeah, and who knows if Barry uh, intends to kind of do one more season and then. Uh, wrap things up that that could really cement it as something great um so the only reason it's number four um as low as number four as you said is just we don't know where the show is going there's a lot of hype but as we know shows that have a lot of strength and hype going into later seasons can and more often disappoint uh in their ending so we don't know and it's definitely not a complete story yet i think if if it was canceled after season two it just kind of leaves you hanging without a great complete story so uh this this show needs to do a little bit more to to be truly great um but at least the momentum it has is definitely deserving of top five of the decade despite only two seasons yeah okay let's move on to number three uh so number three on the top five comedies of the decade is fx's atlanta this is paperboard and you're tuned into the fresh mix rap playlist long live fresh Let's do it again and just like this time like you're at a party and everything's crazy. <laughs> Atlanta is a dramatic comedy series executive produced by, directed by, written by, and starring Donald Glover. Atlanta premiered on FX in 2016 and portrays two cousins navigating the Atlanta rap industry. Uh, like Barry, it has run for two seasons and earned um, the exact same amount of Emmy nominations, 15 over its two seasons. Uh, Glover has won two of those Emmys, one for acting and the other for directing. Um, now, the other thing to mention Atlanta before we get into the discussion is this is one of the shows um, that is just universally critically acclaimed for some reason. Um, out of the 40 
uh, top 10 lists um, surveyed by Metacritic, um, 27 of the critics have Atlanta on the top 10. Uh, this is the second highest of any show. We will talk about the, the show that has more um, in a bit. Um, but yeah, 27 lists, um, 27 critics put this as top 10. Uh, it's number one on one of the lists. That's Esquire um, magazine. So pretty, pretty big name publication naming Atlanta best show of the decade, comedy or drama. Um, so Shams, um, I have seen some of Atlanta. Um, I don't think I've seen enough of it to truly know why it's one of the greatest comedies um, other than my knowledge of every critic says it is. So why don't you tell me you've seen both seasons. Um, what is going on with Atlanta? So Atlanta is a, the closest comparison is actually twin peaks, um, which is both a, which is a long running TV show from David Lynch um, in that it's, it is a show that is very, it's really, it's very much surreal comedy in what it's going for. And, but it's trying to incorporate that with, um, uh, kind of black culture and, you know, um, just living as a black American male or female, um, in, in today's society, particularly in the South, right. Cause it's obviously set in Atlanta. Um, uh, and so, what it does is it it is a show that is talking about you know like you talked about with Barry in the Good Place, um, show that is deep, taking on these very deep and very complex subjects, right? Um, uh, you know, talking about you know uh, father, you know uh, black uh, black fatherhood, uh, talking about the relationship between you know black men and black women. Talking about black women's uh, uh, obsession with social media, there's all these different things that it just takes on, um, and it doesn't it, it it doesn't just do it in a comedic way. It does it in a very surreal way. So there's many moments in the show which are genuinely kind of out of reality, um, whether it's like a random alligator that just appears out of nowhere and is in the house, or um, uh, there's this one episode where they're at this German festival and then he sees like this kind of uh, uh, tree, troll, tree, uh, demon thing. Um, um, and then there's just these really weird like how like episodes where like random celebrities just show up or are involved in the show. Um, but it's like really strange that they're in it. Um, and then there's one, there's this one episode that literally has a black Justin Bieber. Um, uh, which is <laughs> right. Oh my God. So it's it is doing these. Th it's it's purposefully kind of absurd and surreal, uh, which is mo most of its comedy. So it's not like an LOL type of comedy. It's not really a memeable type of comedy. Like there's not like a thing like oh like let me show you this like five second clip. You can't really understand any five second clip of this episode of any episode because you wouldn't understand the context of what is going on in the scene. So you really have to watch every episode uh, to understand it each. But the thing is, there's really no narrative arc. There's like a minor narrative arc dealing with the fact that his cousin is this rapper and he's trying to make it, but there's a, not a real genuine narrative arc in the entire show. So every episode kind of stands on its own and it's kind of unique and separate from uh, 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 it's everything else. Um, and then really the episode that 
I think is the reason why it's ranked so high. Because I think every great show, it's not you you being consistently great is one thing, but you really need to have at least one or two episodes that just stand out. We talked about Ronnie Lilly with uh, Barry, um, and with Atlanta, uh, we have Teddy Perkins, um, which is his most famous episode, um, and it's it is essentially dealing with a Michael Jackson like figure of a. Um, black man who has bleached his skin all white um, and is very creepy and very weird. Um, and it's dealing with many complex, like it's, it is, it is a commentary on Michael Jackson, but it's also very much a commentary kind of on generational uh, differences between blacks. And then also um, just a, the identity of, um, you know, what makes someone black is like is it just their skin color kind of thing um and so it's a very creepy episode it is very i mean it's borderline a horror short in some ways um but it's still funny which is what's like it's a very it's like a horror comedy kind of way but it's still funny so to me that's the episode if that episode didn't exist I don't think that the show, the show would still be on all these lists. I don't think it'd be like in the top five of many lists. I think that episode, and particularly it happened the last two years, um, was such a strong impact on critics and really just on, you know, the audience as a whole um, that it really, it really made people believe that what the show was doing was validated and that all its weird in, in weird stuff and surreal stuff uh, had some deep meaning behind it and it, was, it wasn't just some random thing that they were putting together. Uh, so to me, that answers your question as to why it's ranked. So I think that episode sort of validated what it was doing. And if you didn't have that, I don't think it's ranked as high. Yeah, so that episode was um, nominated for Outstanding Directing uh, in the Emmys. Um, there was another episode, though, um, that was also not Glover directed an episode called, I don't know if this is pronounced um, FUBU or F-U-B-U. Um, that episode was also nominated yeah, for a Directing yeah. Emmy. Uh, is, is that uh, one just really, not that as strong? Was, that was nominated. I mean, that's a great episode. I just, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have put that. Oh. And then, well, also um, two other two different episodes um, in the second season were nominated for writing. Uh, that's Alligator Man and Barbershop. Yeah, I mean Alligator. So I would put Alligator Man. I mean, Fubu is a. I mean, the reason why people like Fubu, Fubu is a flashback episode where they show the characters as uh, middle school kids. So oh, okay. um, I think it's kind of more impactful for people, I guess, in that way. Um, hmm. But I mean, Alligator Man to me is better um and then there's a there's champagne poppy which is um an episode which is all female uh they they not as there's only one male cast member in the entire episode it's all female and it's dealing very much about black women which i think was also a very big episode because um you know when you have these shows it tends to at some point it kind of tends to just be about sort of one specific demographic um and I think that was an episode that a lot of people uh, enjoyed because it finally sh- allowed the non-male characters to have, you know, an episode to themselves. And it was a great episode on its own. Um, so 
Yeah, I'm somewhat surprised. I, I can understand why Fubu was nominated, but I think there's actually a lot better episodes beyond that. Um, but yeah, I think Atlanta just combine it's a it combines surrealism with like all these other sort of subgenres and it's just telling a very it's tackling very complex subjects. Um and and the music's great too. That's like is it, it like it's not necessarily a major aspect of it and it's not necessarily maybe something you would think is needed in comedy, but it has really strong musical choices that really uh heighten every episode. Um, and yeah, Don I was gonna Glover say it's a show about the rap industry, so I would hope yeah. music plays some and, role. Well, in it. and Glover does a few original songs for it, which are great. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I I I fully, you know, I fully endorse Atlanta being, you know, top three. Um, uh, in some ways, I still find it overrated by critics, even despite everything I just said. Because to your point, I don't, I don't think it's unequivocally should be so high up, right? I don't think it should just be like no debate about why it's perfect. I don't think it's a perfect show by any stretch. Um, and I think sometimes critics kind of present it as that. Um, but well, yeah, it's not, at a certain point, if something is so esoteric, it, you kind of just have to say it's great. Uh, Cause otherwise you'll be accused of not getting it. I kind of yeah. feel like Twin Peaks and most of Lynch's stuff kind of benefits from that quality as well. Um, yeah. But from what I, from what I've seen of it, it, it is a well-made show like from the, from the like technical craft perspective of it. Um, uh, no, you can't argue that it's bad. Um, right. just that it might not make any sense. Right. So, and I think Atlanta, um, I mean, I think the other, the other show we're going to talk about soon is up there. I think it's a show you have to respect no matter how much you feel about it. All right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you don't necessarily have to love every episode. You don't have to laugh at everything. You could even find it to be kind of boring. But I still think you have to respect what it's doing. Um, and uh, because it is, it does have ambition. Like it is, it's not a, it is not, it is not lazy. It has big ideas. It's trying to do something very unique in every episode. Um, and it doesn't always pull it off, but you have to respect the attempt that it makes, I feel. Um, so, yeah. uh so yeah, and like, but you know, the thing, the interesting thing about it is that because it's not really, it doesn't have a narrative arc, um, it really can end at any given moment. Like, it's going to have other seasons, but Donald Glover has been pretty slow in making it, and it's kind of a show where I don't, necess- I'm not necessarily like waiting for it to come back because there's no like arc to it, right? It's just kind of like every, it's, isn't, it's like a weird sitcomy kind of thing where it's like every episode just stands on its own, so. It's it doesn't necessarily have that same type of pull that like a narrative arc like Barry has. Um, yeah, actually, real quick before we move on, um, do you know what is going on with the future of the show? I've heard that the third season was delayed, or there was something not was there something that was wrong with the third season, but it's also renewed for a fourth season, and now they're both uh, being worked on at the same time. Yeah, so the plan from the last I heard is they're going to film next year. I don't know if they're filming back to back, but the next two seasons will only be eight episodes, so they'll be shorter. Uh, season two was season one was ten, and season two was eleven. So they're they're gonna go with shorter seasons. They may be filming back to back. The issue has just been Donald Glover has just been busy, and I just think he hasn't really had the time to just really focus on this. Um, and I think he's it's also challenging. I think he also doesn't really maybe know how to like 
keep doing like keep being you know innovative with the show it's very difficult um when you set the bar at that high it's hard to keep that up so, is this because of solo like what's he busy with uh his music stuff he tours he did oh, okay. an entire tour last year and he was in a star wars movie so. he wasn't a star wars movie but the main thing is he did an entire tour last year so there was like he was pretty much on the road playing music last year so i mean like there's little time between that and you know promoting the movie and filming the movie and everything uh and then he did lion king this year so he had like press for all oh, of that. yeah so that's true uh, oh, yeah he is very busy so yeah he's just been a busy person um and so, and I don't think the show makes them a lot of money, to be honest with you, right? So when there's other opportunities to make, you know, 10 times more money, uh, you kind of take it. Um, so that's the thing. But I I don't think the show will go beyond four seasons, to be honest with you, unless it just becomes a show where, like, he it, it becomes like a Kirby enthusiasm where it's just like he'll make an up season every, like, five years or whatever. Um and he'll just kind of keep it going, but he's not necessarily going to kind of make it back to back. But I don't see it going beyond the fourth season because I just don't think he has, he really wants to keep putting all this time and effort into it. Hmm. And the show's already established itself, right? Like, if anything, like the show could actually just probably go low. It actually can only go down from here. To Like, there's very hmm. little chance it can get bigger in terms of like a critical reception. So... If anything, if I was Sam, I would probably just quit after the third season and just be like, I'm going to leave the show as like untainted and everyone loves it. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Shall we move on to number two? Yes. Number two, the second best comedy of the decade. Speaking of quitting while you're ahead after two seasons, number two is Fleabag. So why do you think your father suggested you come for counselling? Because I spent most of my adult life using sex to deflect from the screaming void inside my empty heart. I'm good at this. You close with your family? Is that fair? Yes, but it's okay because it had a stroke. Oh, lovely. <laughs> we get on with it. Hi. Thought you'd be in prison, but no. Oh, well, keep trying, but they just won't have me. <laughs> Fleabag is a British tragic comedy series created and written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who also stars in the leading role. Uh, based on Waller-Bridge's one-woman show, first performed in 2013, the show's first season premiered on BBC Three and Amazon Prime Video in 2016. Waller-Bridge plays a character called Fleabag, an angry, confused, and sexually voracious young woman living in London. The show's second season aired in 2019, and absolutely swept the Emmys, um, winning Best Actress uh, and Best Writing for Phoebe, as well as Best Directing and Best Comedy Series. So we talked about um, the uh, two phenomenal, um, phenomenally directed episodes, Teddy Perkins and uh, Barry's Ronnie Lilly. Um, all of these shows, along with Fleabag's second season, were in the same, uh, I guess, comedy bracket at the Emmys in the same year. So this is the show season uh that the other two lost to um and speaking of critical consensus um fleabag is uh by far the most um not necessarily number one show but the most um most critically acclaimed top 10 show of the decade uh 31 critics 
put this in their top 10 list. Um, it's number one, only on two, that's entertainment.ie and film school rejects. Um, but by far more than any other show, comedy, drama, or limited series, um, it's not even close. Like Fleabag and Atlanta are kind of like the top, the top two as far as just number of top 10s. And Fleabag has 31 compared to Atlanta's 27. So this is the show that regardless of who you are, it seems like it is just uh, critically acclaimed uh, and universal. Um, and I'm not sure, um, Shams, this might be like a nine out of 10 dentist situation where you're the one out of 10 that doesn't recommend Fleabag. But I mean, I'll just say this. I, the second season is much better than the first season for me and mainly because Andrew Scott. Um, but saying I don't recommend the show, I think is maybe false marketing. Uh, it's not that I would not recommend the show. I just did not believe it should be such a – I'm just somewhat taken aback by just the clear universal acclaim from it. I don't necess- – I did not find it to be significantly profound as these other shows. To be honest, I find it the least profound of all the shows on this list. Um, uh, even – I understand why it's relatable, but to me that being relatable isn't profound. Um, and in terms of just comedy, it is very solid. I didn't find it to be necessarily significantly hilarious or even like in that super intelligent with what it was saying. Um, the acting is strong. I'm not going to deny that. Not, and not just by, you know, Phoebe, but, you know, even like the lesser characters, like her sister, um, and then her, um, um, what's her? Let's Olivia, talk about Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Um, so the acting is strong. Um, I do like that it's very self-contained. It did not overstay its welcome. It did not. It doesn't have too much fluff, right? So it, it understands what it wants to do and it just does it, which is a strong quality. Actually, I think a show can have. Um, so I'm not trying to say it's a bad show. I will say it's a. I do think it's a good show, but the level of acclaim, I just, I just still, and I personally think it's just a lot of recency bias. If this show came out in 2012, I don't think it'd be ranked as high on all of these lists. But that's just my opinion. But you provide the counter now. Yeah. Um. Well, I agree with a, a lot of that. The I'm I'm actually really concerned about recency bias in a number of um, shows on on these lists. Like I think you know we put Chernobyl as number one uh, in the limited series, um, and that very much was like a huge um, pop culture moment in 2019. So definitely a lot of like hype and maybe recency there. Um, and then there's like a lot of other shows that, um, kind of started last decade that bled into this decade that are maybe lower ranked. Um, although the one I'm thinking of, I actually saw more recently and binged it. Um, but with, with Fleabag, I think, well, two things, the first season, um, very, very strong first season, even though what everyone's talking about is the 2019 season, uh, the first season, which aired in 2016 and pretty much no one had heard of until the second season came out and everyone went back and binged it. Um, I, there are some people, some critics actually argue the first season is better. Um, the first season was amazing. The second season was the season that everyone uses the word perfect to describe. And I think a lot of that is because of the 
the chemistry um, with the addition of Andrew Scott, um, my boy Moriarty, uh, one of the greatest uh, British actors of the decade, possibly. Um, but what this show, I think what this show does um, really, really well is it can it can kind of be treated as a each season has a really, really cool arc uh, that really blends um comedy and drama um i think it's it's called a tragic comedy for a reason it is it is really the i think it's the only show uh out of definitely on the comedy list um but perhaps in any of these that really is uh the traditional definition of like a shakespearean tragedy um but more specifically in the way that barry um kind of seamlessly goes back and forth between comedy and drama. Fleabag is the only show I've seen that really does it at the same time. Uh, and this is very intentional. I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge has said um, in multiple interviews that she's really um, uh, fascinated by the thin line between um, like crying and laughter. Um, and she really does a great job of uh, kind of disarming you with the comedy and then hitting you with uh, the really heavy drama. And the first season I think is actually, and it's really hard to say, but the, I think that particularly the ending of the first season is a really, really good example of that. And I actually just went and rewatched the first season recently, um, which made me kind of fall more in love with it as a comedy um, than I originally, I really, I remembered the more of the, um, the tragedy side of things. Um, but now going back and kind of rewatching it, knowing, um, what's coming, uh, it's a, it's a really, really subtle and, and detail oriented comedy. Um, amazing kind of at the like awkward comedic timing of shows like the office, um, th that kind of specifically the UK office, it's, it's very British. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I like it a lot more than you, cause my taste skews extremely British. Um, Actually, no, you like quite a few British things. Um, I don't want to. Yeah, no, I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I I love British. So I don't think that really changes anything for me. But anyway, this this show, um, one of the other things that really makes this show unique from all other shows is just the the voice and the personality of the show. Most of that is through the main character. But I think the show as a whole has quite a personality. And it's one of the only shows that has a lot of acting through, I don't know how to say this, but like, it's not just the writing is phenomenal. I think like the first, the first episode of the second season might be some of the best comedy writing, um, in, of the decade, like maybe best episodes that, that would probably be up there from a writing standpoint, but even, even beyond just the dialogue and the writing and the timing, uh, is Phoebe Waller Bridge's uh, physical acting, particularly through facial expressions. Um, I don't know of another show that does it that well. I mean, Barry, but yeah. But like in the way that well, it's like I... to the camera. Yeah, I guess. It, it lets you in on kind of the character's inner thinking, uh, which is very much consistent with what the show is about. Um, she is a character who doesn't really have any intimacy with any other person she has a lot of sex but not a lot of intimacy and it's very much a show about being surrounded by people but still being alone uh and i think that's why everyone's so obsessed with the show is there's there's not a well, lot of things to be clear do. we should state to the audience this was actually a show which we debated on whether or not it should be on this list not because of the ranking just because of the, the the labeling oh yeah as far as whether it's comedy or or drama yeah 
Yeah. Again, I, I remember it more from for the drama, but I think if we're going to call Barry a comedy, uh, to be consistent, we have to call Fleabag a comedy. That's fair. But it's it probably toes the line more than any other. It toes the line even more than Barry, in my opinion. I think if you um, rewatch episode or the first season, which I did recently, you'll change your mind about that because it is like the the amount of like lines delivered for laughs um is it's it's almost every line it's just very i think maybe the second season's different um but the the first season's definitely a comedy and from what i remember the second season particularly the the first episode uh, which is one of its strongest it's it's definitely a a comedy maybe it kind of turns into a drama slowly by the end of it um a really good drama by the way but yeah, it's uh it's a good comedy. The other thing about this, I just want to say, I'll stop talking about this uh, very soon. But the last thing I want to say is, uh, it each season has an arc, and each season uh is only two and a half hours. So this very easily could just be a movie. Like I sat down and watched season one start to finish, and it's literally about as long as most movies. You can do that, and you can enjoy it, or you can watch it episode to episode because. Each episode has a beginning, middle, and end, very well-timed arc, and each season has an arc. Um, you could even sit down if you really wanted to and watch both seasons, and it would only take you five hours. Well, it's a very short show. I mean, it's six episode seasons, and they're like thirty minutes each, right? So it's uh, it's um, it's fairly quick. I mean, to be honest, they could, she could have easily done this in she could have easily done this as a one season show. Yeah, well, although the idea is kind of similar to like Atlanta, it was, you know, you're not sure if there was going to be another one because each season ends uh, intending to be the last season of all time. And that is also true of the second season. Uh, and Waller Bridge has repeatedly said it's not coming back, except it might come back in like 20 years or something. Um, but it is, it oh, is very much a quit while you're I, I, I don't doubt for a second it won't come back. It may take 10 years, but it'll come back. Yeah, it, it'll come back only when there's a reason and an idea for it to come back. And if that idea is as strong as what became the meta arc for season two, then I'm perfectly okay with it coming back. Yeah, I'm indifferent. Let's move on to number one, which I know you're, I think we're both pretty high on, but you are significantly more high than me. Um, are you yes. ready for this? I am ready as I can be. So number one, what we are calling the best comedy of the decade, 2010s, is Veep. Politics is about people. Politics is about people. I've met some people, okay, real people. And I got to tell you, a lot of them are idiots. Which way are you going to vote? The way my principles and conscience tell me to go. Which way do you think that should be? Veep is a political satire that aired on HBO for seven seasons from 2012 to 2019. The series was created by Armando Iannucci as an adaptation of his UK sitcom called The Thick of It. Uh, Veep stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Selena Meyer, a fictional vice president of the United States. Now, Veep only appears on 12 of the critics' top 10 lists. However, where Veep really shines is its utter dominance at the Emmys this decade. Um, hold off for a minute, Shams. I know you want to talk about this, but this is going to take a while for me to read because Veep has Veep has had 42 major Emmy nominations uh, this decade. 
Um, I'm not going to read them all, but I do just want to highlight a couple of just ridiculously outstanding achievements. Um, all seven seasons of the show were nominated for Best Comedy Series. It won three of them, three consecutive years for seasons four through six. Uh, Tony Hale, um, one of the show's supporting actors, was nominated um, for Best Supporting Actor six times. Uh, he won twice. Anna Chlumsky, uh, supporting actress, uh, received six nominations. Didn't win, but six nominations. That's six out of seven seasons. And finally, the big one, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was nominated for Best Lead Actress every single season of the show and won six consecutive years from 2012 to 2017 before finally losing to Phoebe Waller-Bridge in the show's final season in 2019. Um that is outstanding. Julia Louis-Dreyfus literally has won the Best Lead Actress for a Comedy Emmy more than everyone else who won it this decade put together. And I think for that reason alone, when you're talking about Best of the Decade, you have to say Veep just dominated comedy this decade. Shams, I'll turn it over to you. I watched Veep from literally week one that it came out to the final week that it uh, ended. Uh, and I rarely missed, I did miss a few weeks where I didn't watch it when it came out, but uh, I was very much, you know, keeping up with it week to week as, as it, uh, as it premiered. Um, so the other thing you've, so he's talked about the thing of it. Uh, um, he also did uh, in the loop, uh, a 2009 political satire film, um, which is very much in the same vein as Veep. Um, and he also did in 2017, the death of Stalin, which is, also uh political satire but it's a very different type because it's more historical. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that was the same uh director. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was I loved that film. Yeah. Um and so the thing about Veep is number 1 even if we were just doing like the funniest shows of the decade I would still probably put it at number 1 because it is it has that sort. It, it, it's kind, it's a show that's in some ways parodying The West Wing, but it it's doing it in a way where it has that sort of fast, fast Sorkin dialogue. But every little jab and quip is just hilarious. It's actually a comedy where you need to watch it twice because you actually miss so many great jokes uh, in the first viewing. It's actually the only comedy um, uh, on on the top five that I actually would rewatch episodes um you know over and over again uh just because there was always something i was just missing that was either going on in the background or a little line that was said or a little character kind of uh interaction or face um every it's a huge ensemble i mean obviously julie Dreyfus is the star but she doesn't actually really dominate the screen time particularly as after the first season um it is a huge ensemble with a lot of different characters. Uh, and even as the seasons progress, they add on more new characters. And yet it still maintains this high quality of comedy. But the main thing for me is that it nails American politics so brutally. And the sad thing about it is that the results of the 2016 election and the way the political discourse has become in the last two, three years it very much foreshadowed all of this because uh, the show comes out um, uh, uh, around 2011 or 2012, I forget. Um, 
but uh, during it's it came out during the Obama years, right? So uh, when it came out, most people were just used seeing this as like, oh, it's a satire, it's a comedy, uh, it's making fun of the West Wing, and then they realize, oh no, wait, really? This is literally how everything actually happens, and this isn't actually that far from the truth. And many political staffers on real campaigns and real uh, uh, political offices have discussed just how insanely accurate some of the episodes are in terms of what happens in real life. So it is um, a show that is hilarious and yet also brutally honest and deep about American political system of today. And it's sad. I mean, it's 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 sort of one of those things where it's really sad that it's true, but you still can't stop laughing at it, which is what makes it so great to me. Is that I can still laugh at the fact that this is literally how the leaders of these of our country is acting, but it's still funny to me. Um, yeah, the comparison to the West Wing is one uh, I was going to make. It's it's essentially the same. Uh, as the West Wing, but where you replace that um, that kind of like optimistic uh, tone. Yeah, ideal- it has none of the idealism. Yeah, it replaces all of the idealism with pure amazing cynicism, uh, which I personally enjoy significantly yeah. more. And making it uh, into a comedy with uh, that kind of mile a minute uh, joke machine um, writing, yeah. uh, it is it is very dense. I can't think of another more densely packed comedy other than like maybe 30 rock comes close as far as just like the pure density of the laughs. Um, but yeah, Veep, uh, Veep's writing is just um, extremely consistent, um, but fast paced, which is an incredible achievement for seven seasons. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, I'll, I will admit the sixth season is somewhat weak. Um, but outside that one season, every season to me is strong. And it also importantly, ended very well right I, I do i don't i will say that if it if the last season wasn't as strong and the last episode in particular wasn't as strong and the last 10 minutes of the episode weren't as strong um maybe i see it slightly differently but for a show to nail its ending is to me uh pretty important or it adds a lot to kind of its legacy and Veep, to me, ended just so perfectly. Um, I really can't think of a better way to end it, the way they did it. Um, and that, to me, is what really cemented it for me. Um, another show, a good comparison is, uh, it's not on this list, but a show like Silicon Valley, for instance, I think started very strong and also was, in a way, a similar thing. It was doing the same type of... Uh, same type of uh, idea, but doing it towards, you know, the tech community versus American politics. But that show to me kind of sort of started to crumble and it didn't really end on, a, it kind of like just kind of died out. Whereas this show outside of its sixth season was very strong from start to finish and really ended on a high note. And that to me cemented it as the number one comedy of the 2010s. Yeah, I actually think the finale of Silicon Valley was in a way trying to kind of copy what the finale of Veep did uh, in a way. Uh, it was a pretty good finale, but... Um, the finale yeah. was good, but the last season I thought was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. the last couple seasons, it was it was a clear yeah. downhill slope, whereas Veep had... Uh, yeah, well, it's 
it's hard for me to say because I, I binged the hell out of this show. I think right. I finished all seven seasons in maybe two or three weeks. Um, so I, I definitely probably at some point will have to rewatch it because when you're kind of like cramming that much um, into that short amount of time with such a dense show, you're bound to miss a lot of the humor. Um, but even just like watching it um, that quickly, the, again, the like machine gun um, line, the, the burn machine that is this show uh, is, is phenomenal. I don't know. I don't have another show that has like the, that sick burn factor other than maybe succession, which we've, uh, we've talked about the, the great yeah. lines from uh, um, yeah, but yeah. this one's just pure, pure comedy oh, and just does and it. Every constantly. character it's like, they, they 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 don't shy away from every character gets burned multiple times throughout the show. Yeah, imagine like succession, but like every five seconds. Yeah, and you talk about physical, you know, physical acting. The great the thing about the show is beyond just the dialogue. There's so much stuff going on in the scene in the background, and little quick shots of characters' reactions to what's going on. So there's a lot of non-spoken comedy in it. Um, that is really tough. Again, it's really tough to notice when you're just watching it for the first time, because um, you're not necessarily focusing on like the fact that like these two people are like arguing in the background, or you know someone's making a funny face or is doing something really stupid in the background. Um, and um, so, I just I just think the the subject that it's tackling and the way it's so accurate and brutally cynical about it. Uh, combined with just its ability to be consistently hilarious and not just like kind of like haha fun or like kind of like amusing but genuinely just laugh out loud funny um i just think it cements itself as the number one comedy of the decade and i think i personally believe that time will be good for it because i think it is so it is so accurate in what it in what it did that it will actually gain its its legacy will grow over time um because it's not a show that's going to be irrelevant five or ten years from now yeah unfortunately i believe that's true <laughs> yeah um, i mean to be fair it's sad like i i, I don't wish i don't i wish it wasn't that wasn't going to happen but i don't have faith in our political system from changing uh in the next 10 years to think that this still won't be a very accurate portrayal of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it has a lot of very poignant, dark moments. I mean, it's not a dark comedy at all, but there are a lot of dark moments in it. Um, and it handles that very well, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm the, I think my only, uh, well, no, it's, I think what makes this show number one for me might be a little different. It's just the, the sheer like length of it. Like when we're talking about the decade, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's I, I, really we, we hard to, to that in all of these. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to ignore. Like if you look at these, these other, other than like the good place, um, which is uh, kind of uh, three and three quarters of a season. Um, well, that's 41 episodes. I think you should look at the episode count too. Yeah. That's well, the, episode. the episode count of Veep is 65, um, right. seven seasons, 65 episodes. So right. it's not like, it's not like always sunny with 130 some episodes. Right. I mean, to be fair, that was over 12, 15 years. Atlanta has 21 and Barry has what, 20 or something like that. So yeah. And like significant yeah, to, do, to do this, um, so consistently for that long. I mean, I said it already and I'll say it again. 
Julia Louis-Dreyfus is responsible for six out of 10 years of the best lead actress in a comedy Emmy. Um, you talked a lot about the, the ensemble aspect of the show, but I think this is very much right down to like all the poster and promotional materials. This is a star led comedy and that star is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the queen, the, the indisputed queen of comedy in America. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, she already had, I mean, she had what the most one, if not the most iconic female comedian role of all time with Elaine and Seinfeld. And then she follows it up with this, uh, you know, 10, 12 years later. Um, I mean, she will go down as America's best TV comedian, I think. I don't think that should be a debate at this point. Yeah, I won't debate you there. I can't even think of another one that comes no, close. I, she just, I mean, she I mean, she was on SNL. She had on the biggest sitcom ever. And then she was, in my opinion, on the best com- comedy of the 2010s. Like, she doesn't have to do anything else. And she's, to me, she's locked it up. Um, so she is a genuine legend. And uh, there's very few people who are even close I mean, she's number one. I think the crazy thing is the gap between her and whoever number two is, is massive in my opinion. I think it's Tina Fey would be number two. Tina Fey is probably number two. And I think it's massive gap. Pretty big gap. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, Tina Fey is a good, I think that's a good, I think that's a fairly accurate number two. Um, uh, and the gap is just huge. But, All right. I think yeah, that's. I think, I think that's the, I think ironically, the show we most, I guess Barry sort of too, but the show we most agreed on ended up being number one, which is kind of shocking for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally would put Fleabag above Veep because I skew more toward the shorter, shorter runs with a very high peak as opposed to like the consistency. But um, I'm not going to argue that in this case we're going like, I think last in the last list, we gave it to Chernobyl, which is really weird to say that it's only five episodes and that's better than something that did three great seasons like Fargo. Um, but that's just like my my taste is more about I remember the the one moment from the show that made it great. Similar to Atlanta kind well, of being like on there for one episode. Chernobyl is um, also literally perfect. Like, yeah. Like it's not just as five episodes. It's like every episode is actually perfect. Mm hmm. And, so, and not only perfect, but like meaningful and perfect right, at like the same time. Chernobyl, if Chernobyl had a weak episode, if it only had four out of five great episodes, then it's a different discussion. It was literally five out of five. Yeah. So I think my personal list, I have, I had Fleabag above Veep, although I probably flipped that back and forth a few times. Um, Cause I think, yeah, I, I probably side more on the, um, more on the critic side. Um, but yeah, I think this is a overall this is an extremely strong top five. Um, if you are a fan of comedy, or rather, I think if you're a fan of good TV that happens to be comedy, maybe if you just want the the funniest shows, I definitely go straight to Veep uh, on this list. I mean, The Good Place is also probably one of the funniest um, on this, but there's a lot of shows that if you can just kind of put on in the background if you want to laugh occasionally. Um, these are shows that warrant your attention and will reward that not only with laughs, um, but with just great television and great stories. Yeah. And I think, um, and maybe we can end on this, just 
I I personally found that comedy got a lot better in 2010 for TV. Um, I thought it was really I love. I mean, I grew up on 90s sitcom. I grew up on a lot of 90s comedy, so I have a special affinity for that. But I didn't particularly love the 2000 comedies that much. Um, but 2010s, I think, really was a resurgence of quality TV, TV comedies. And um, I actually have faith that it's going to get better even, actually. Um, which is, I know, shocking. it's shocking for me to be optimistic, but I, I actually think we're going to get better comedies uh, as we enter this next decade. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason for that is people realize you can do more with comedy. I mean, just, just look at this, these five, you have a comedy fused with a political satire. You have a comedy fused with a tragedy. You have a surreal comedy, you have a dark comedy and you have a um, phil- philosophical comedy. Um, yeah. the, the pairing of comedy with great material is, uh, is what made this decade a really great decade for comedy. Um, I, I really don't historically don't really even care about like the comedy races at the Emmys until very recently, until the past few years, uh, when a lot of these started, um, with the exception of Veep, which, uh, has been on a lot longer, but I just like, wasn't aware of. Um, so yeah, this is great. I'm excited to see what happens, uh, in the next decade, particularly for Barry as that continues and for the finale of the good place, um, which is again, coming up real soon. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that is our top five comedies for the 2010s. Um, if you want to stick around, um, the next episode that we will release, uh, is going to be this time. It's going to be top 10, uh, the top 10 dramas of the decade. Uh, this is perhaps one of the most competitive lists, um, as there are significantly more dramas, uh, to sort through. Um, and yeah, we've watched them all. Not really. We've watched all the good ones, um, but we're going to give you the top 10 best ones in the next episode. And that will be our final list of the best of decade. Um, Oh, yeah. Put out a lot of lists in the past week. A lot of lists. And then we will then go back to our regular content starting next year. Um, Not just about lists so i feel like most of our content is lists historically. yeah but i think i think next year now that we've kind of had this break i think we can kind of go back to just actually talking about current tv shows like i kind of want i kind of wish we could talk about mandalorian the witcher right now but it doesn't really fit this right now but i think we can kind of get into that a bit later on in another episode in a couple weeks yeah yeah for sure all right well stick around if you want to listen to the top 10 uh dramas of the decade Other than that, uh, we will see you later. Goodbye.